It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. For the love of Pete, it's something you might say when your car gets damaged, but that won't get you the help you need for your vehicle. As someone named Jake, what you should be saying is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. For help filing your claim 24-7, whether it's on the phone, online, or on the award-winning State Farm mobile app, however you choose. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 513 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday, May 16th. I am your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. You can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And, of course, make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network with team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams. We've got Locked On Fantasy Basketball going if you're playing daily or you're getting ready for your dynasty leagues or you want to know all about the upcoming draft guys. Josh Lloyd has you covered there. We've got Locked on NBA Daily, of course, with a bunch of different hosts chipping in there. Ben Golliver, a weekly guest. Trevor Booker's in there sometimes. Uh, Sam Amick's a weekly guest as well. And you can find every show on the network on the iTunes, on the Lockdown Podcast, uh, on Lockdown NBA iTunes channel, that is, sorry. Uh, please subscribe, rate, review. Uh, ratings and reviews, very, very nice and helpful and make us uh, shoot up the rankings and stuff like that. And on that note... I uh, would like to uh, announce that I'm going to be doing a bit of a contest. So there's this sports collectible store near the radio station I work at that is having a closing sale. So I went in today, and they had a bunch of weird Raptor stuff that I ended up buying, um, and I wanted to try to give it away in exchange for some positive iTunes reviews, because people do that, right? Um, So here's how it's going to work. There are three things up for grabs. There are a uh, Serge Ibaka... A black and gold OVO jersey. There's a Jose Calderon red jersey as well, which is uh, like very high quality somehow. Uh, and also a Carlos Delfino framed photo of when he was one of the Raptors. It's like super weird and bizarre, and I don't know why it was in this store, but I got it. And so those three things are all going to be available. I will ship them to you for free if you uh, do the following things. Put a nice five-star review and rating on the iTunes page. If you want to take a screenshot of it before you post it and send it to me as like a receipt, you can do that. Uh, Next Friday, which will be May 23rd, uh, or 24th, next Friday I will read through all of the reviews, get the people's uh, info from those. What you got to do in your review is leave your Twitter handle so I can know where to reach you. So leave your Twitter handle in your review at the bottom of it, sign it off with it, whatever it is. Um, and then when you do that, I will uh, put that into the 
draw, and uh, I will pull out three names at the end of the week who have la- laid uh, down nice reviews for the iTunes page. Five stars, please do that. That'd be nice. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just pick out three names, and you'll get your choice, one, two, and three, of the three items. So that'll be it, and uh, please do that. iTunes, uh, Apple Music, if you don't even have, if you don't typically listen to Apple Music, you can review online. Uh, you can also just like download the app for a second and leave a review. I know some of the other podcast platforms don't offer reviews, um, which I'm sorry if that makes it harder for you to do, but if you're interested in doing it, it would be uh, really cool. So Carlos Delfino, framed photo. It's like a pretty... It's got like a little like uh what, what like a personalized plate with his name on it and stuff like that. There's the Serge Ibaka extra large black and gold OVO jersey and the red Jose Calderon jersey. So if you want it on that, I'll ship it to you for free. Please leave a rating or review on the iTunes page. Uh, all right, and yes, leave your Twitter handle in the in the review so I can know where to contact you. Anyway, uh, with, with all that out of the way, I'm sure I'll plug it again over the course of the next few days here and pump it out on Twitter. Um, uh, joining me now to talk about the Raptors' game one loss to the Milwaukee Bucks uh, last night in Milwaukee, one away, one hundred, is our pal Vivek Jacob. Vivek, how's it going, buddy? Not bad, not bad, uh, as best can be after the Raptors completely blew it in the fourth quarter of that game. <laughs> but uh, here we are; it's a new day, and you look forward to game two. Yeah, uh, first of all, if you had your choice between the Jose Calderon jersey, the Serge Ibaka jersey, and... I am coming Carlos... 100% for the Carlos Delfino okay. uh, yeah. frame photo. <laughs> that is the grand prize of this, I think. Uh, it's it's really big, too, and if you have like a sports room or something, I think that would be a pretty good spot to put it. Uh, but that's just I me. actually own a Carlos Delfino uh, our Team Argentina jersey. That is a very nice find. That That's... Because, uh, that's dope. I got very carried away uh, back when he was on the team, and people would tell me that I looked like him, and so I went ahead and bought his jersey. And, yeah, these are the things you. Do. That's uh, well, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, uh, Carlos Delfino, that's a pretty good jersey. I what are the? I guess like a like Raptors international jerseys. I guess the Spain ones for Ibaka and Gasol now. Um, yeah. Lowry and DeRozan Team USA jerseys, I suppose, would be a thing that are available somewhere. Valanciunas Lithuania. Nice. Oh yeah, that's is Cameroon in the World Cup this summer? That's a good question. Because that's uh, a good question. Because Embiid and Siakam together sounds like a whole lot of fun. That sounds like a lot of fun. I doubt it's going to happen. Although Ben Simmons is playing for Australia, which is cool. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess Embiid probably isn't looking to play extra basketball. That's that's true. Um, anyway, we're not here to talk about international basketball tournaments. We're here to talk about the Raptors losing game one, 108-100. As you mentioned, a rough fourth quarter for the Raps. They lose the fourth quarter 32-17 after going in with a seven-point lead. Uh, I thought the first half was really nice. The third quarter, there was some good resistance to a strong Bucks push to start. Uh, Kyle Lowry was awesome. Kawhi Leonard was uh, less awesome. Pascal Siakam, very inefficient. And then everyone else kind of no-showed. Vivek... Um, I, I yes. guess I'll throw you the typical question we do on these game recap episodes. What was your biggest takeaway from game one? Uh, my biggest takeaway from this game, and I think uh, something that will be a theme over the course of this series, is um, the Bucks' ability, ability to stay true to their identity. Mm-hmm. They have largely, you know, over the course of the 82 games, over the course of this postseason, been who they've been all year. And they stay committed to that. They stay true to that. We saw when they went 1-0 uh, down to Boston that there was no panic from Mike Budenholzer. He just said that, you know, guys miss shots. This is how we play. This is how we're going to play. 
obviously they tweaked some things in terms of you know they generally don't switch and they went ahead and switched in that series uh but you know stylistically they were the same team Mm -hmm. and again here when you look at the way they missed all those shots at the beginning um there could be uh, you know cause for panic with a young team um and and they didn't have that they just they just stuck through it obviously they attacked the glass a bit more because they were so off um but eventually they you know everything turned over and uh you saw the team that they've been all year in that fourth quarter then so on the on the flip side with the raptors you know i feel like when those shots stopped falling you know we, we when we saw the, the way things fell away for them outside of kyle lowry um in the second half that's when i feel like you start to see more of the turnovers um the stagnant offense and Kyle talked about talked about pace. You see, you saw the the pace drop off for the Raptors a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. So again, when things get difficult, are they able to stay true to their identity? Yeah, I think that's a, a good point, and it's it's kind of tricky, right? Because we've talked all year long about how the Raptors don't really necessarily have an identity, and that's kind of been right. in some ways a strength because they can play any way. But it does sort of leave them without something to sort of fall back to when things do get dire and they kind of fall into some bad habits. Um, You know, a lot of sort of very stagnant, not very motion-heavy offense where you run a high screen and Kawhi Leonard probably denies that high screen and he, you know, he kind of just probes into the middle and, you know, he was finding a bunch of bodies yesterday and and the Bucks did a really good job of collapsing down on Kawhi and I think sort of trusting that he was not going to be able to make the passes out of traffic that the Raptors are going to need him to make. I mean, you look at Giannis, he had six assists in the game, he had five turnovers as well, but more often than not, when the Raptors kind of swarmed in on him, he was able to make good passes out to the out to the weak side corner and stuff like that uh, to sort of keep the offense moving for the Bucks, get good looks, even if like Nikola Mirotic was off or Brook Lopez was off early. Um, you know, I thought Giannis did a much better job than Kawhi in, in sort of, you know, getting around the, the extra attention he was seeing. And that, that all kind of goes to the Raptors not having much of an identity, right? And, and like I said, I don't think that's necessarily a weakness all the time. But in a situation like that, there was, really was nothing for them to fall back onto in the fourth quarter. And it was just like, all right, please bail us out, Kyle. <laughs> um, and right. I mean, damn it, he almost did it. Let's uh, talk about Kyle before we get into more of the negative stuff. I want to start off and just sort of give him the proper due he deserves. Because holy God, he was so good last night. 30 points. 10 of 15 shooting, 7 of 9 from 3, um, 8 boards, 2 assists, and yet 13 potential assists in the game. Uh, a lot of missed open shots for the Raptors, especially in the second half. And, I mean, some of the plays he made, he made that ridiculous, totally meaningless diving save to get the ball back in bounds, and Danny Green, I think, turned it over uh, after yeah. take, taking it down after that incredible diving play by, Cole, by by Kyle where he looked like a defensive back, like like tapping a ball away. It was unbelievable. Um, he took a charge. He almost took another charge on Giannis that maybe should have been a charge but wasn't, but he got in the way at least. He was all over the place, and... Here's my thing about last night's Kyle game. Are we going to see him go for 30 on 10 to 15 again? Probably not. He's only had one 30-point game uh, this season and one last year. So it's not like he's really got this like crazy scoring punch left in his bag. But 
do I think he's going to be bad for the rest of the series? No. And I think a lot of the impression last night that I got was, oh man, how could the Raptors waste that Kyle effort, Kyle Lowry effort? And, and as if it were like he's never ever going to play well again, as if it were he were going to die after the game and this was the only game he was going to contribute anything to the Raptors in this series. I kind of found that to be a little bit silly. Um, and I, I guess off of the Kyle thing... People were like, man, this was a perfect opportunity for the Raptors. They played so well. They had the Bucks on the ropes. And while I agree they played well early on, it kind of tailed off pretty much starting in like the mid-second quarter. And I'm not sure the Raptors outside of Kyle necessarily had a very good game. You know what I mean? Like they almost won this game. I agree. You could flip it both ways, right? You could say, oh, they had this crazy Kyle game. But also, they most of their guys had rough nights. Gasol was 2 of 11. Leonard was not himself. Siakam was uh, really inefficient and kind of... I didn't think he was necessarily like spooked the way he was against the Sixers, but I don't think he kind of got into his rhythm the way he would have liked. And the bench was obviously off. Ibaka was terrible. Green was awful. Like... This was a game where the Raptors didn't necessarily play super well outside of Lowry. Lowry kind of changes that perception, but um, I don't know. What did you think of Lowry and then sort of how the rest of the team played in comparison to him? Yeah, obviously Lowry was fantastic. I mean, I I think in terms of wasting away that effort, I think it, the general consensus is more in terms of if this is a series that you anticipate to go six or seven games, mm-hmm. you know, you'd hate for this, the one you look back on and say, man, how did they not win this game, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think in that regard, that that's that's fair. Uh, because, again, this is the second time all year that he scored 30 in a game. I think it's the sixth time in the last five years, something like that. So um, I think for Kyle, uh, to, sh- to have a performance like this, it makes me wonder if he's hiding the Infinity Stones under that oven mitt. And maybe he'll just... <laughs> go off the rest of the series um so it, that is obviously the biggest uh positive for the raptors from this game uh, because going into this matchup he had hardly scored during the regular season against the milwaukee bucks when you look at uh the players that they can put on him defensively and eric bledsoe and malcolm brogdon and george hill those are people that have given him problems in the past and then then again you you, you wondered about that uh dislocated thumb that he claims to not be a big deal but where is another mitt right pretty much from tip, tip off so mm-hmm. uh, so so yeah definitely huge uh, hugely encouraging uh, to see him have a game like that for the other guys I mean for Fred Van Vliet Norm and Ibaka to combine for 12 points within you know uh, it was pretty much with uh, six minutes left in the second quarter that they had the 12 that they finished with for the game mm-hmm I mean, that's really tough on Nurse. You know, you you you, you, you kind of set him up where it's like, oh, look, we're actually giving you something. And then he asks you for a little bit more at the start of the fourth and you give him nothing. And that's really, really tough. Uh, now, I think I think it's a fair criticism also to have all three of them out on the court at the same time. But uh, at the end of the day, Philly was one animal. This is a different animal. If you get nothing from your bench in this series, especially with OG most likely out again, um, I I really struggle to envision the Raptors winning this series. Yeah, I mean the bench has to be something that Nurse can rely on. Not even for like a ton more minutes, but a few more minutes because I do think we really saw late in the game Kawhi slowed down and his shots were short. He you know luckily had the one I think in the third quarter where he was like 
really short and to kind of bounce right back to him and he was able to follow it up. But other than that, it was not super crisp from him and it looked like he was really exhausted trying to get to his spots. And I mean, it's understandable. I think um, I was on the radio this morning and I had Jack Armstrong on the show and we were talking about how like just the emotional toll of game seven and the Sixers being such a slog to play against in that rock fight, like it must have taken a lot out of these guys. And maybe yeah. as you settle into a series where there's a little bit more breathing room with the Bucks, maybe that'll sort of wear off as you go. But it seemed like they were still kind of carrying the weight of Game 7 with them a little bit, and in particular Kawhi. And I think, I mean, you play seven games against the team and they are so in your face defensively and so like just odious to play against and you come across a new team and they're a little different i i could see why that would kind of throw you off but you know i do think more than anything it was the exhaustion by the end and just like the lack of minutes that you could trust the bench with you know i i love that nurse is quick to bring Kawhi back in now in the fourth quarter he's coming in with like 10 minutes left but if there were a world in which Norman Powell could steal two or three extra minutes there, like maybe Kawhi has the juice near the end and the Raptors, you know, don't blow their 198 lead and give up a 10-0 run in the last three minutes. Like maybe they can withstand that a little bit better. Maybe there's a little bit more defensive pop there. And that kind of goes for everybody, right? I mean, I think Lowry playing 40 is fine. I think he is, he looks like he's in pretty good shape right now. Gasol playing 40, I don't think you can deal with that, man. I think like as much as, as admirable as it was for him to go toe-to-toe minute for minute, with Joel Embiid in Game 7, I don't think you want to repeat that. You don't want him playing in, into the mid-40s. He played 40 minutes last night, and he looked pretty gassed by the end because he's 34, and, like, that's going to happen. Um, but although I do think the Gasol, like, hate after the game was a little bit intense because, I don't know, he was not great in the fourth quarter by any means. He got sealed out on a couple offensive boards by Miritich and Lopez that were really cru- uh, crucial, but... He was, like, his defense was essential in this entire game. He led the team in assists with five. You know, his defense was just, like, incredible. He did a lot of good work on Giannis, especially in the first half before, you know, the whistle started favoring Giannis a little bit. Like, Gasol did such a great job of just, like, staying vertical, putting his, doing the thing where he doesn't move at all, just puts his hands up, and it causes problems for people. And he was, you know, directing traffic, doing the Gasol thing on defense and on offense, he took 11 shots. Like, we've been clamoring, like, please take your open threes, Marcus Gasol. And maybe he passed up a couple last night, but he ended up taking seven on the night. And one or two of those fall on top of the two that already did. And we're talking about it entirely differently. So I just, I, the Gasol thing got a little insane with the with the hate there. I don't know what the hell is going on with Danny Green. That's not great. But the bench to me is the biggest thing because I think every extra minute that the bench can give you is going to help keep Gasol and Leonard and Lowry and the rest like fresher and more spry near the end of the game. I, but I don't know. Do you see a way in which Nick Nurse can manage around that and sort of uptick those minutes for those guys? Is there someone who's not playing who maybe should get some run here because it's a different matchup? Maybe there's a way that like a Jeremy Lin or Jody Meeks can make an impact? Like it's it's really tough right now to to like justify giving Fred and Norm more minutes. I think Ibaka will be better, but I don't know. Do you see a way forward with the rotation here? Uh, well, I think if you can stagger Gasol and Ibaka a bit better, yeah, and uh, then then you allow because I actually thought the the unit where you had Gasol and Van Vliet together wasn't bad. Not in, so there there was once where it was Van Vliet and Lowry in the backcourt that didn't that wasn't so hot. Mm-hmm. But if you if you get Van Vliet at the point and then some size and then uh, Gasol at center, I think I think that can work. Um, and so I think that is something that you could look to do to get a bit more out of Van Vliet. Because, I, again, I thought he started well and then just uh, faded off as the game went on. Now, again, 
the the one thing that kind of worries me is the fact that the Bucks also have moves to make uh, because that their starting lineup was not so hot, mm-hmm. uh, and they could very easily go back to Brogdon in the starting lineup, and that is certainly an upgrade uh, with the way things have gone for them. And you, you, we we've seen how that unit has performed over the course of the regular season, and he looked great in this one, and it kind of makes that. OG absence stand out even more, right? When, mm-hmm. when you see a guy like Brogdon be able to defend multiple positions, give you a bit of offense um, and just some overall toughness, uh, it sucks that the Raptors are missing OG. Um, not to make excuses, but uh, again, I, I, I think even an underrated absence in this game was uh, Patrick McCaw, just because you know he hasn't really figured into the rotation much. But again, uh, in a series like this, I think he's someone that could be an option. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the bench isn't giving you much, and we saw, you know, in Game Four against Philly and in Game Seven against Philly, when when the, there's someone on the bench uh, like an Ibaka who, who's having a great game, then you then you can actually go to your best five. But for Nurse, you know, for for Danny Green to have the struggles that he was having, mm-hmm. and for Nurse not to be able to turn to anyone else, I think that's a really tough situation for it because you know I think I think it was pretty apparent that. You want to take Danny Green out of the game, but at the same time, you're looking over and you see Van Vliet and Norm uh, and Serge not really giving you anything, and it's tough to make that call. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I want to continue on that note in just a second, but first I want to tell people about our sponsor for today, and that is ZipRecruiter. Hiring is challenging, but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart, a place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates, and that place is ZipRecruiter.com, and in our case, it's ZipRecruiter.com slash on. ZipRecruiter sends you your job to over 100 of the job's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply for your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the very first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That site I mentioned at the exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash LockedOn. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash LockedOn, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash LockedOn. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast, and being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Okay, so you mentioned the desire to take Danny Green off and also the desire to uh, stagger Abaka and Gasol a little bit more. And those two things kind of run counter based on what happened when Danny Green had to be taken off to close the Game 7 against the Sixers. The Raptors went with that really big lineup with Siakam, Ibaka, and Gasol all on the floor against the Sixers. Right. 
Do you see that being a way forward at all in this series? I I think maybe if Miritich continues to start, then that might be okay. But Miritich was not so hot in the last game, and I think he's a one of the sort of glaring defensive liabilities the Bucks have. If you put Brogdon in his place, that becomes a way more impenetrable front for them to sort of throw at the Raptors. Yeah. And I could see Miritich kind of being one of the casualties of this series rotation-wise for the Bucks, but... If yeah. if he's gonna play, if if he's gonna be out there at all, or even if he's not, like, do you see that super big lineup for the Raptors working at all, or is this just not the series for it? Uh, I think I, I think we have to see Ibaka play better uh, to determine that. Mm-hmm. I think uh, you know when you look at it potentially being counterintuitive. I think I, I was referring more, you know, to those first three three and a half quarters where Nurse is trying to figure out what he can go to in those closing moments, right? So I think, you know, when you've got a starting five as good as the Raptors uh, and the bench is giving you nothing, then, okay, you just just roll with that. But I think when Ibaka plays his best, then it gives you something to think about. Um, I thought he was okay uh, defending Giannis. I didn't think he was bad. Um, I think both Gasol... uh, and Ibaka struggled with Brooke Lopez, especially in that second half. Um, mm-hmm. So I think there's room for improvement there. Um, and then offensively, I thought there was a bit of indecision on Ibaka's part as well. There were shots, I think, that came to him that, uh, you know, whether he pump faked or just took that split second longer to make a decision, and then the shot wasn't there. Um, and then he, he, even with this all, I, I know it shows that he had 11 attempts on the box score, seven threes attempted on the box score, but I thought some of them... You know, he didn't take them in the natural flow right. of when it was swung to him. You know what I mean? And I, I think that makes a difference. Uh, I, I still remember that one possession where even in the paint, where Kyle Lowry made a perfect pass to him. Yeah. And he wasn't even looking at the basket. Yeah. And he was wide open. Mm-hmm. And then it was, and then, he, you know, he just passed it back to Kyle and then Kyle got it back to him. And then almost knowing that he should have shot the first time, he rushed it the second time. Mm-hmm. So, um, Things like that is where I think he needs to show better shot preparation in terms of, you know, again, we talk about him always wanting to make the right play. I think, again, that recognition uh, of when that right play ends with him. Um, and, you know, I think that it, that's where the frustration comes comes from, uh, the fact that this is something that we've harped on now since, you know, the middle of the Philly series. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's definitely something the Raptors need. Because you can't, you can't, you absolutely cannot lose uh, a matchup of Gasol and Ibaka versus Brook Lopez. There's no yeah. way you can lose that matchup going forward. Yeah, and like if you're looking for signs of optimism, I don't think Brook Lopez is going to have that game again. I mean, 29 and 11 on 12 of 21, four of 11 from deep. Um, you know, obviously he's been very good this season, and he's I think set the record for threes by a seven footer and all that stuff, but. He hasn't been particularly good in the postseason, and I, this is by far the best game he's had so far, and, and I think that's not super repeatable at the same time. There are plenty of things that the Bucks did that seem like they should kind of course correct and sort of regress back to the mean positively, uh, yep. both in terms of you know Chris Middleton going 4 of 12, although he's got Kawhi on him, so maybe that's less likely. Uh, George Hill going 0 of 6, if that continues, that's very helpful because the depth that the Bucks have guard-wise is a real edge they have over the Raptors. And if they can have, you know, George Hill go up six and Pat Connaughton do Connaughton, 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 whatever, Connaughton, <laughs> white Pat. Uh, if he can go 0-2, like that's helpful. Um, but 
Yeah, you know George Hill or for six you mentioned, but to give him uh, you know four steals, yeah, the, the careless the carelessness that the Raptors showed at times, I think that's another thing that they will look at the film and be like, man, we yeah. really just threw away some possessions. Yeah, that's fair. Um, also, Bledsoe going three twelve. I mean, who knows? He seems kind of like a mixed bag in the postseason. I guess he was. Yeah. He was a really weird case yesterday because he scored. Nothing in the first half. He was not really visible. Uh, and obviously, him being Lowry's primary defender, he kind of let Lowry go off. And then for like a five-minute stretch at the start of the third, he was incredible. He was the reason the Bucks went on a run. He was getting out. He was running. He, I think he scored all of nine of his points in that little frame there, and he was incredible. And then he just kind of fell off the board again after the Raptors kind of withstood that charge, um, which was weird. It, it was a strange Bledsoe game. I think Lowry's the better player between the two, and that's a nice edge the Raptors have. But um, that's gonna that that might be the, the the position battle that kind of dictates the series because both of those guys dictate the pace when they have the ball. Um, and the pace is such a fascinating thing about this series, I think, because I think both teams are kind of at their best when they're running, and it's kind of a matter of which team can sort of get into the groove of being on the run. You know what I mean? Because it all kind of feeds into each other, right? When you're scoring on the run, your defense is getting back and defending and you're forcing the other team into the half court and you turn those half court, you know, possessions a lot of the time into chances where you can run. That's what the Raptors did so well yesterday when they were at their best. And the same goes for the Bucks. And so to see what team can kind of win that transition battle to maybe sort of skew the pace. Like I think both teams want to play fast, but the pace only matters if you're the one really driving it, and unless you're, if you're the one sort of receiving the pace of the other team, if that makes any sense, then I think you're going to uh-huh. be in trouble in this series. And it was kind of fun to watch, like in the third quarter in particular, as both teams sort of tried to negotiate that balance and try to gain back the momentum of their transition game. Like that is the battleground of the series, I think, because I think the Raptors' half court offense can be better than it's been. It's been a little bit. I think the Sixers still like kind of loom in the mind a little bit because they were such a ridiculous half-court defensive team. Like the Bucks are very good as well, obviously, but they don't have Joel Embiid who just makes everything more difficult just by being there and existing. And I do think the Raptors maybe got into some bad habits with their with their offense in the half court, where it's just a lot of high screens for for Kawhi, and then just sort of doing things off of that. Whereas when they're at their best in the half court, they're moving, they're running through the elbows, they're cutting. Like there's a lot of really good and exciting motion going on. That wasn't quite there in the half court against the Bucks last night. And when the Bucks are attacking in the half court, I'm not scared at all, man. They don't really seem to have an idea of what they want to do. They can't seem to decide if they want Giannis on the ball or as a screener. And when he is a screener, you're not worried about him popping out or anything like that. You can kind of uh, sort of d- divert most of your attention to the ball handler. And when he's the, the ball handler, he's, you're not worried about him pulling up or anything like that. So you can tag the roll of the roller more aggressively. I'm not super scared about the Bucks in the half court, so... I think it's going to be all about who can kind of get onto those runs where they get into the flow of running. And I don't know, do you see a way in which the Raptors can sort of make that sort of their area of sort of dominance in this series a little bit more than they did in game one? Uh, I think, you know, it comes down to Kyle making that point about dictating the pace and you made it as well. Um, I think it's an interesting battle to get into with the Bucks in transition. I, I did think, you know, watching that first half, uh, that that sort of pace allowed the Raptors to find their rhythm, find, you know, 
the most functional version of themselves offensively mm-hmm. where the ball is sort of zipping around and everyone's involved. And, you know, that first quarter we saw Kyle make a three, Danny make a three, Gasol make a three. Uh, Siakam. Siakam made one. Yeah, he yeah. made the first three. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I think that's when the Raptors are at their fun- functional best. Um, and I thought, again, I thought the transition defense started out great. Um, but again, you know, is this a team that sort of lets their offense dictate their defense a little bit? And so, uh, you know, when you get out and have those opportunities and, and you're not cashing in, does does that sort of seep over into the defense? That's something they've got to be careful with because there's one thing that's clear with the Milwaukee Bucks. No matter what's going on, they, they stay the course. Mm-hmm. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but really the first words you want to say are, Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And trust me, as someone named Jake, that is a fact. That's the phrase that will help you feel good knowing that you have people who can help you find the right coverage for the things you want to protect. Insurance doesn't need to be complicated with a State Farm agent. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits you because your situation is unique. And State Farm is there to help you feel supported with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. And when you need ways to get help, don't yell or be angry because State Farm gives you options there too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com or their award-winning app. State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So what did you think, how are you feeling coming out of this game compared to how you felt going into the series? Um, I've, I've always thought that this was going to be a long series, that it was going to just be a, a really fun back and forth. Like there's going to be coin flips and sometimes they'll come up Bucks, sometimes they'll come up Raptors and maybe the Bucks win it. I picked the Bucks to win in seven. So I, I don't necessarily think the Raptors, you know, are, are going to win the series by any means, but like I don't think it's going to go quickly if that makes any sense um does this game change i'm not sure how you felt about it i'm not sure what your pick was but does this game change how you felt about it because i feel like the big prevailing sentiment that i sort of was reading and was kind of getting exhausted by coming out of the game was like the fourth quarter happens and it's like instantly all playoff raptors again here they are and it's like okay i get it it's like a thing now and that's something that people like to grasp for but None of that really applies here. They were good. They were good for thirty six minutes, and they got cold and like unseasonably cold. And you're not going to go zero of fifteen on non Lowry shots for a quarter. That's just not going to happen. That's that's an anomaly. So I don't know. I, I like they were leading with three minute three minutes left. They give up a run, obviously, but like the home team winning game one at home is kind of what's supposed to happen. Had the Bucks lost that game. Obviously, it's an opportunity loss for the Raptors, and he would have liked to see them pull it out. But I don't necessarily think that like derails their chances of winning the series or anything. Like people, can, like the memories are just so short. I think that's the thing that gets me about the playoffs and like being online so terminally. It's just like people forget. Like the Raptors got absolutely destroyed in Game Three against the Sixers. We're down two one and came back to win the series. And yes, the Bucks are different than the Sixers, but maybe we were underestimating the Sixers all along. And maybe that win was really impressive. And then coming back from that was it, like it was impressive on its like it was objectively a very good series win for Toronto. And people just kind of seem to like one game. People are just like, "Whoa, okay, it's over now, Bucks, baby." And it's like, "Okay, yeah, the Bucks are really good, but like nothing about that game 
told me anything except for this is going very long. And like both teams had things that were, you know, sort of outliers in terms of the lack of efficiency from guys, but also they're both extremely good defenses and extremely good teams that made a lot of those wonky shooting lines happen. And I think we're going to see a lot of those wonky shooting lines from both sides from different guys across the series because they're both really good defenses. So I don't know. What were you thinking coming out of the game? Like, does this make you like lean more towards the Bucks? Do you think it's going to be close? Like, what's uh, what you're thinking here? Um, I so I, I had initially picked the Bucks in seven, mm-hmm. and so it does make me lean a bit more towards that. Um, I do think if the Raptors are going to win the series, they need to do it in six. So I do think losing game one hurts that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, <clears throat> yeah, I, I think at the end of the day. You know, if you if you go and tell Bucks fans that Kawhi is going to go and get 31, Kyle's going to get 30, the Bucks are going to shoot 25% from three-point range, and you're going to win the game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure they're going to ask, how the hell does that happen? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I do think it's a missed opportunity. I think, um, I th- again, I think if it does go down to six or seven games and the Raptors lose, they will look back on this game. Uh thinking you know that that's the one they blew but uh the one thing nurse has said all along is this is a team that bounces back and uh, i think this is going to be a big test because the ones they've usually bounced back from it's been those blowout losses that mm-hmm. you can sort of just throw away in the trash can and be like you know that's not us um but i think this is a bitter pill to swallow i think you know frankly the one time they did lose a, a tight one against philly that was that game too and mm-hmm. they got stomped on in Game 3. So I think it's going to be interesting to see which Raptors team comes out in Game 2. Um, and I, frankly, the Bucks, you know, having uh, having that feeling now of having got out of jail, they might even come out a bit more free. Um, and, and, you know, you go back to that first half uh, and that whole rest versus rust equation. Mm-hmm. We, we saw the rust play out in the, in the first half, and then as they hit their groove, uh, we saw the rest work out in their favor where maybe the Raptors didn't have the legs to close it out. Uh, and now I think I think another underrated factor in the, as, as this series, uh, you know, one that I expect to go along is going to be Kawhi's legs because of the mm-hmm. load management. And, you know, he's just gone through a seven-game series. Now he's going to have to play every other night. How is the body going to respond? We've seen that field goal percentage dip, the efficiency dip. So is that is that his legs? Is that, you know, guys really getting into him? Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out over the course of the series. Yeah, it's certainly concerning. If he's going to be playing 42 minutes a game, I don't... Uh, I I mean, you did the load management to keep him fresh for the playoffs, and I, I still think you stand by that plan the entire time. But it's grueling for anybody, man. The, what the Raptors have gone through and not winning that series in six against the Sixers is disappointing. Um, and you know, they had the opportunity to do it. Uh... Yeah, it's if we if, if if Powell can just like have a game, it will be so refreshing. Not just for people watching Norman Powell who want to see him not be bad, but for the legs of the guys who will he'll be he'll be playing for right. And yeah. like, if Powell can work himself, and I didn't think he was necessarily bad last night. I didn't think he got enough run in the second half to be honest, um, considering he was two of four on threes early on. Like, I didn't have a problem with the way Norm played. But if Norm can play himself into some sort of reliability and trust in the, in the eyes of Nick Nurse, like, 
that could open up some things. Obviously, with no OG, it's really hard to go to the Siakam at center lineup. That's tough because you're just you're really giving up a lot of size. Um, this would have been a series, I think, where Siakam, OG, Leonard, Green, Lowry is a lineup we would have seen a lot. And that's not going to happen, at least until that back part of the series at the earliest, if OG is able to come back at all. And if he does, there'll obviously be a lot of rust there, so maybe you don't even want to trust it. But I, I think... If you get desperate at some point in one of these games, you want to try to get Brook Lopez off the floor. Maybe you go super small with Siakam Leonard at the at the four and five, and then you just have like Green, Powell, Lowry, something like that, where you're not giving up too much size in the wings. Like you have at least some sort of ability to switch across. I mean, they switched pretty much everything last night, and I think they want to try to maintain that if they can. And maybe that's a way to do it if Powell can work himself into some sort of playability but that is uh, yet to be seen and I think another couple quarters like he had you know late first early second last night and I'll, I'll probably trust it a little bit more but it's uh it's tough right now man it's, <sighs> it's I would also like to see more Ibaka at center um I think we mentioned this briefly uh I just think the the Gasol Ibaka thing's nice but Ibaka at center has kind of worked against the Bucks this year. Like, uh, the Ibaka, Siakam, yeah. Leonard, Green, Lowry, like the starters, the original starters before the trade, I think that could be a lineup that kind of they go back to the well a little bit on that after kind of abandoning it for a long time. I think that could be useful. And, yeah. you know, there, 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 are, there are things the Raptors can do here. I think guys will shoot better. I think Gasol will have a better offensive game next time out. And you would hope Green does. You would hope Kawhi does. I, again, I don't think Siakam looked... Terrible. He just kind of missed some shots that uh, were weird. I, strange game from Siakam, really. Those corner threes got to start falling, man. It's it's pretty necessary, but um, I don't know. I'm not super discouraged after game one. Let's put it that way. I, I know some people are melting down. I thought the Raptors played a nice game. I don't think they were great. I don't think the Bucks were great. I, I think a lot of it is just both teams being, being very good at defense and sort of forcing each team into not looking super awesome or looking like themselves all the time, but... Um, I don't yeah. know. I, I remain optimistic that this will go very, very long. Yeah, I, I, I can see that happening too. But I mean, you, you just, I think you, in terms of winning this series, the Raptors absolutely have to win game two. Yeah. You, I, I think you give, you, if you give the Bucks a you know, sort of a two game handicap, it's over. Yeah, that's fair. That's, uh, yeah. <laughs> it was nice not having to worry. Not, it was nice being at ease before game one and not worrying about things. But yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's creeping in again. All that anxiety. <laughs> it's lesser now because they've made it to this point, and I don't think there's shame in losing to the Bucks if they do, because the Bucks are really damn good. But um, yeah. it would certainly be nice if they could pull it out. Game two, Friday night, should be fun. Uh, this was fun, Vivek. Thanks for coming on, buddy. I know you're crazy busy with the live shows and the other podcasts and the, the yahoo writing so i appreciate you taking the time man uh anything Thank you want to plug and of course anything you want to plug right now um yeah i mean i, I wrote uh, about kyle lowry's performance from game one because i felt like that needed to be appreciated uh so you can check that out on yahoo sports canada and besides that you can check out the post game show if you'd like to continue reliving uh that game <laughs> with myself, Alex Wong, and uh, Mr. Harrison. Yep. Uh, so, uh, and besides that, yeah, you can check out my uh, tweets at Vivek M. Jacob, and yeah, yeah, everything else that's on there. Sounds good, dude. Um, yeah, the your Kyle Kyle Lowry man, just 
I'm so happy he had that game. I'm really happy for Kyle. Even though they lost, it's just... It was nice on the conference final stage when all the goddamn broadcast is talking about is, oh, he's had he's been shooting terribly. He's Kyle Lowry shooting well in the playoffs. What's going on? And it's like, have you ever watched Kyle Lowry play, man? Like, it's not about the shooting. And when the, when the shooting happens, he becomes supernova. But all the other stuff is always there, lying underneath that people don't seem to want to notice. I, uh... I appreciate Kyle Lowry deeply, and I hope people do after this. It feels like we're getting pretty close to the point where like, the Kyle Lowry playoff takes should be retired. Of course, some people will still hold on to them because people don't like to admit that they're wrong, but um, I think those people who hang on to those preconceived notions about Kyle Lowry in the playoffs are uh, becoming further and fewer between, I would hope. Um, so I agree. Yeah. All right, that's going to do it for today's show. Please subscribe, rate, and review iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. Uh, in particular, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever it's called now. I think it's Apple Podcasts technically. But uh, if you want to leave a rating or review there, once again, there are three items up for grabs from the sports store sale that I bought and, and ransacked all the Raptors stuff that was left. Uh, a Jose Calderon X, XL red jersey, a XL Serge Ibaka black and gold jersey, and a framed Carlos Delfino picture which is very cool, um, of course, from when he's with the Raptors. If you want any of those to be entered into the draw for them, please leave a rating on the iTunes page, uh, whether you do it on your desktop or on your phone, whatever it is. Take a screen cap of it before you hit send so you have the receipt just in case for some reason it doesn't pop up. They can be a little finicky sometimes. And next Friday, the 24th of May, I will pull three names from the people who have left reviews with their Twitter handle in the review so I can contact you for shipping details and stuff. And I will ship you for free uh, one of the three prizes, the Serge Ibaka jersey, the Jose Calderon jersey, or the framed Carlos Delfino picture. Thank you for thank you to the uh, sports store near the near my, near my work that's closing down. It's, 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 it's a shame that it's closing down. There's some cool stuff in there, but uh, it allowed me to buy all the stuff for very cheap and uh, give it out to you people. So uh, please subscribe, rate, review, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Use your Twitter handle in the review. Take a screen cap. Send me the receipt in my DMs. They're open, and uh, it'll be fun. We'll see who p- wins those fantastic prizes including the Carlos Delfino picture, which apparently Vivek might steal. Um, <laughs> by, uh, by, I by, will steal. Yeah, next Friday, 24th, I will do the draw. So make sure you get your reviews in pronto. I know they take a couple days to upload sometimes on iTunes, so make sure you're getting them in before like Tuesday or Wednesday, or I won't see them, and you won't be able to win the prize. Uh, all right, that's going to do it. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will talk to you. Uh, probably Saturday morning after the next game, I'm thinking. But stay, uh, just keep, keep an eye on the feed. Maybe there'll be some stuff in between now and then. But uh, until then, thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you next time on Locked On Raptors. Sweet. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 